What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with my dad, where we discuss all things sports-related, and especially the post-jazz game. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry. Another jazz playoff game, and unfortunately, another loss. Back-to-back losses that evens the series with the LA Clippers, now tied 2-2. And the Jazz are heading back to Utah for a Wednesday night game to see if they can maintain home court advantage and uh, keep their series winning streak alive. So Spence, what are your thoughts on tonight's game? I don't really like watching that game too much. It was kind of hard to watch. Uh, My take is that we kind of lost the game pretty early. If you look at it, we lost the first quarter 13 to 30. That's kind of hard to come back to. And then it got even worse when we lost the second quarter 31 to 38. So we're already down by a lot going into the second half, but we did win the second half. We do talk about how the Jazz are a second half team and how we wish they would come out a little bit hotter. It's hard knowing that you're down and then you have to come back, but usually the Jazz play well with good energy. And once the energy started going, then they came back and started winning towards the end of the fourth quarter or winning that quarter. The problem is, and this is my take, and I don't know if you want to get into it yourself, but Gobert did not have a game that could bring us a win. And that is the biggest difference. He was, I think, 11 points and eight rebounds. And you're just not going to win a game when Gobert goes so quiet in that night. And he didn't really have a big impact um, defensively either. And we could probably discuss that a little bit more. But it's hard to win a game. doesn't matter if Mitchell puts up 37 points. But if Gobert is only putting up 11 points and eight rebounds, with no Conley even, it's not going to be – a really good game for the Jazz. If uh, if you're going to start there with Gobert, then that is because Conley isn't playing. So then you have to start the conversation that Conley's not playing. He's the one that can run the pick and roll. He's the one that can throw the lob to Rudy. He's the one that can spread the floor a little bit better for the Jazz because Mitchell is not that facilitator. And that hurts Gobert's game. And if Gobert isn't uh, and Ingles was struggling trying to be the facilitator uh, in that way. So um, you're right. It's going to be hard to win if Gobert goes 11 and eight and really is a non-factor throughout the game. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why the Jazz didn't win this game tonight. One reason was a holdover from the last game. The Clippers are playing with a lot of intensity. They're just coming out. They're getting into, they're lengthy, they're long, they're quick. They stick their hands in the passing lane. And it was a holdover, that defense intensity from game three into game four. And the Jazz, again, weren't ready for it. And it is difficult when you don't have your facilitator. But even if Conley would have been on the floor tonight, it would have been another hard win. I will tell you this, the Clippers started to wear down as the game went along. And the Jazz came back. And like you said, Spencer, they won the second half. I've got to think when they're in Utah, they wear down even quicker in the high altitude and uh, with a home court advantage. So I do think that that plays into the Jazz's favor. I like when the Jazz play with energy and, and that's what Vivian Arena brings. So it's going to be interesting next game. Another big takeaway is the Jazz only had 11 points off the bench. And that's very hard to do, especially when the Jazz almost rely around their bench throwing in that second punch. And that is also due to Conley not playing. Now Ingles is starting. He did okay, had 19 points, but there was no intensity off the bench. Clarkson wasn't shooting great. He had only eight points. But ultimately, a lot of turnovers in the first quarter, few 
few production from the bench, little production from the bench. Gobert was taken out of the game, and we meant to talk about this last podcast. They kind of seem to be boxing Gobert out before the ball's even shot. And so his rebounds are down, his impacts are down from second chance points. And he's kind of been sluggish to get back to defend. And they've caught him off of the perimeter a couple of times, making him making the paint exposed to them just laying in the hoop. Yeah, a few things there. Uh, the latter thing that you said about uh, Gilbert um, being boxed out. Uh, I'd love for the NBA referees to go back and watch when a player drives and Zubats is in the game. He starts to box out before the shot even goes up. So it's an illegal screen. It's, it's flat out an illegal screen. You can watch it. Zubats played 18 minutes. It didn't determine the outcome of the game tonight. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the referees called a bad game. I'm just saying watch Zubats. He sets illegal screens up high and definitely down low in the paint. And I'm surprised the Jazz aren't calling it out. He is boxing out when a teammate is driving and he's moving screen. It's obvious, and I'm surprised the referees are not seeing it. And I'm even more surprised the Jazz aren't calling it out. But one thing that's very interesting um, for the Clippers, Zubats played 18 minutes tonight, eight points, five rebounds, three for three. When he's in the game, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible what they do. Patrick Beverly probably won that game tonight for the Clippers in a certain way. His tenacity, hmm. his hustle, he gets into you. He had 20 minutes, only two points and three assists. But for a guy to put his fingerprint on the game with only scoring two points, pretty impressive. Uh, that said, the game was won. Spencer, you called this out, a statistic where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, the first time that they have gone back to back when they've been playing together ever with both of them scoring 30 points. And so you're seeing something that was the vision when they went out and got Paul George and brought him to play with Kawhi. And that was for these, this duo to go off and they went off. Yeah. I'll repeat that again. This is the first time Paul George and Kawhi Leonard went for 30 points in back-to-back games. And that's kind of what we were hoping, not we, but fans were hoping they would do their entire time together. So it's kind of telling on how the series is going, that this is the first time it happened. And just to put a, put a point on Beverly, I do think he had that huge impact in the game and people might be like, Oh, look at his stats. They weren't great, but he had four blocks and blocks are a statistic that show a different, it kind of shows the game differently. It shows what type of impact he's having at a different level than just stats. And it was just hustle, making sure that there was no way the jazz can really get momentum going. Cause those blocks kind of bring the crowd alive, bring the players alive. And, and not only that, they, they slow down the jazz. And then on top of that, Monte Morris senior scored 24 points. So you got the two superstars going for over 30 points each, getting nine rebounds, seven assists with them. And then you have Morris senior having a great night, a night that he doesn't normally play. And Ingles was guarding him. I think the most of the game. Right. And so that, made it difficult for Ingles to kind of get to rhythm. He had 19 points, like I said earlier, but his battle was almost lost personally. Yeah, listen, Morris came out, was just literally on fire. Five for five from three, finally missed one. But that really hurt 
and it put the Jazz on their heels. When you're down 17 in the first quarter on the road against a team that's built to win a championship, hard to come back. But the Jazz actually made it competitive down to the end. I don't think the game was ever in doubt for the Clippers or they would have kept Kawhi in the lineup. Uh, so they knew they had it. Going back to Patrick Beverly, this is the second straight series where we've seen this type of player. Dylan Brooks was that type of player from Memphis who just got into the jazz and just disrupted them enough to make it uncomfortable. Patrick Beverly makes it a lot uncomfortable. He doesn't put up points, but he is, he's making Mitchell work. And let's face it without Conley in there to facilitate and bringing the ball up or rotate the ball. And Mitchell's having to do that and score and play defense and do it against Patrick Beverly and do it against Paul George and do it against Kawhi Leonard and do it against Marcus Morris. It's just not going to work. And uh, that's what Quinn said tonight in the post game. He says, we played, we competed, we hustled, we hung in there, but we weren't connected. The jazz generally average about 23 assists a game during the season. They averaged 24 assists in the first series against the Memphis Grizzlies. They're averaging 18 assists in this series. Mm. That's because of the Clippers defense. It's because of their tenacity, their length, like I said, how they get their hands in the passing lane. And I want to be careful here because without Donovan Mitchell, we are nowhere. But Donovan Mitchell put up 26 shots, made nine of them. He, he, it's okay. I'm, I love him. 37 points. He is a superstar, but when you have to rely upon him all the time to facilitate, to play defense, to make your three point shots, to be a finisher, it's way too much of a heavy load and other guys have to step up and it's not so much Ingles and it's not so much Bogdanovich and Spence, I'm going to put a little bit of a dagger into your heart. Jordan Clarkson played really bad tonight. Really, yeah. really, really bad. He's struggling when he gets into the paint. He's struggling with his three-point shot. His defense is not bad. These guys shot 38 free throws tonight. 38 free throws. That is 14 more than the Jazz did. That in and of itself, you could say, is a game. And I'm not picking on Jordan, but Jordan's defense was not great either. I, I'm not worried about the Jazz in terms of energy and in terms of returning to the to salt lake i think that when they're at home they're a little bit more comfortable and confident and jordan clarkson can feel he can brush off his mistakes a little bit easier and get back into his rhythm quicker he just didn't tonight obviously he had a couple turnovers and just bad bad choices but my biggest concern now going to game five is who's going to win the paint mainly just with favors not helping too much when Gobert's out, but Gobert not even making a difference when he's in. And there's something up with the, I wouldn't say the rotation, but it something needs to be figured out there because clearly we aren't getting what we need when we don't have Gobert in favors performing. And I don't know what the answer is. I guess you just hope Conley comes back. But right now with Conley being out tonight, I don't, I still don't know if he's going to be back for game five. And that worries me just because I feel like without him, it's going to be a battle no matter, even if we're back home. Yeah, you, you called it. The rotation is off. Even with one player out, the rotation is off. When, when Rudy leaves the floor, it's tough for Faves. And we've seen Faves win his games. So you go with him, you ride him, you bring him in. He plays okay, but the Clippers 
come out in a press conference and say it. They, they literally say what they're going to do. When Gobert is on the floor, we're going to rotate and shoot threes, and they knock down the three. When Favors is on the floor, we're going to drive, and we're going to and we're going to score. And that's what happens. And Kawhi Leonard, let's let's be clear, had the dunk of the playoffs tonight. Oh. That dunk over Favors. And it's oh. not Favors, but Favors is on the floor. So here's the hard part. And on this podcast, those who listen can ridicule for me for what I'm about ready to say. But there's no shame in putting in Azabuki for five minutes and see how it goes. The guy is a rim protector. He was a leading shot blocker at Kansas. He had 60% field goal percentage. I, I just don't know why you can't change the look on the Clippers and make them think for a second when they see a new guy at the rim. Maybe you play Favors and Azabuki together in the replacement of Gobert. And so I'm doing and saying and asking for wild things that are unproven, but why not go for it and put Azabuki in there? And quite frankly, if you look at the numbers during this series for Niang, they are not there. Mm. They're not there. And I'm asking to put in a center for a swingman shooting forward. I understand that, but you have to be willing to go out and protect the rim when Gobert is off the floor. Sounds a little desperate, but I do think Niang and Oni are struggling when they're in together. And clearly they, they are getting, well, just Kawhi is just outrageously strong and he's showing it and he's pulling up and making shots. So I think a rim protector, somebody that can even push around Zubak when Gobert's off. Cause I don't know how much of a battle Gobert is giving Zubak or giving their, or Batum or giving um, other players kind of a battle. I'm not saying he's weak or soft. I'm just saying, his style of play is different and maybe as can come in and just roughing it up and just be that presence and not telling him to go score 20 points, not telling him to go get 20 blocks or 20 rebounds, but telling him just hold your ground for five minutes and try to change the pace of the game. I think it's worth a shot, especially with tonight when things were kind of struggling, just see, just see if he can get in there, maybe just stand his line and, and, and make sure that he makes a present statement and, and, and doesn't back off. Another big thing that happened was Mitchell was getting crowded again. He gets doubled and then triple teamed. He's going against the whole team sometimes on offense, still putting up 37 points. He, uh, it, it's crazy to see when he's pulling up to shoot a three that there's almost three hands in his face. And that says a lot about who he is as a player, but how, how the Clippers are playing. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, they, they really, they know that Mitchell is the key to winning for the jazz and they are putting a tremendous amount of pressure on him. And I don't want listeners to think that I've lost it. And I'm one of those podcast guys that are asking for strange things, but somehow when Gobert is off the floor, you have to show a new look. And that's why I say, why not bring in an as a bookie for, as a bookie for a few minutes. I, I, you know, one of the things I, I go through the stats tonight and the jazz lost by 14, 118 to 104. And it wasn't really that close. We made a little bit of a run and there was some excitement, but the stats are eerily similar. It, it, and it's, and it comes down to the free throws where they shot 12 more and made 10 more. And then they made three more two point shots. And it's interesting in a blowout feel of a game, how really close the numbers were. But again, you got to give it to, to uh, Donovan Mitchell, who had 37 points tonight. 
Um, Bogdanovich, uh, just a little too little too late. Um, O'Neal, a solid stat line. You're right, though. You called it at the top of the podcast, and that is that Gobert's numbers 11 and 8. He was in foul trouble. He was minimized. Ingles was it that you can't run the pick and roll. Uh, you, you know what? I, I don't know if it would have made a difference tonight with Conley in the game, but maybe. And, and that's what you've got to bank on, like you said a little bit earlier, is that Conley can come back and be ready for game five. Yeah, I don't know what the other option would be. I think Mitchell, there was some people saying that he was also not looking too great health-wise. Maybe his ankle was agitated again. I hope it's not. I think Mitchell is in it to fight, and he wants to make a point and make a statement as a superstar this series. So he seemed like that's where he was going tonight, where he was just determined going to the hoop and trying to bring a little bit more energy. Again, I'm not worried going back to Salt Lake for the energy and the Jazz the Jazz seem to thrive off of a crowd and off of kind of noise and, and just hype. And I'm looking forward to them trying to play better next game. I think they can. If, if, if we play like we did in the second half, even we can win the, we can win the next game. And it was just, we dug ourselves in the hole at the very beginning, had a lot of turnovers, a lot of missed shots in the first quarter and just let, let the Clippers do what they're designed to do. And then that just wasn't, redeemable yeah you're right i you said something there in that comment they played well in the second half as you said early in the in the podcast and now you just said it again there's there's some good momentum that could carry them into game five on their home floor but the series is now even it's a true series i think everybody's excited to see where this goes um you got to credit the jazz to you know, they, 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 they held serve on their home court. They gave him a game here, uh, you know, at least battled him. We'll quick, see where it goes. Um, go ahead. Just a quick fact. Um, the Jazz are 8-0 and o when they lead a series 2-0. to zero. That may, If you guys, that makes sense. I think I explained it pretty well. So each time the Jazz go up 2-0 and o in a series, which we did, then, they're, then they win the series, or at least they have eight times they've done it yeah great fact i don't know if that means anything yeah it does mean something there's another fact i don't think a team in a playoff run has ever come back down 2-0 twice so something's gonna break here or 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 something's gonna remain the same right the jazz are gonna go 9-0 went up 2-0 or the clippers are gonna be the first team in nba history to come back from 0-2 and win a back-to-back series uh, because they were down 0-2 against the Maps. Hey, the Clippers' backs have been against the wall. They still are. This is a team where, you know, they have a loaded roster. Uh, they need to prove that they can win. Uh, the, the, the Jazz, if they, if they can shore up a few things, and boy, I hate to put it all on Conley, but hopefully he can come back. Well, there was another great game tonight, just a stellar game in Atlanta where the Hawks win 103-100. They even that series at two games apiece. Uh, A couple of storylines here. Joel Embiid goes 0 for 12, I believe, in the second Mm. half and didn't have a great game. His uh, slightly torn meniscus could be a little bit of a factor for him. But you got to give it to Trey Trey Young, who had 24 points. And 18 assists. He's the youngest NBA player in history to have 18 assists in an NBA playoff game. Yeah, we're, we know that he can shoot from long range, and sometimes it feels like he's just pulling up. But he did move the ball around, and he got his, his teammates involved. Number one, I thought 
Atlanta had probably one of the coolest jerseys I've ever seen. I liked their jerseys a lot. Had MLK on the front, black, looked cool. Number two, their logo on their home court was pretty cool. Cool, cool pattern, cool style. Number three, the if I was Phoenix, this game hurts because they were so close to just almost putting away the series. Uh, you mean you mean Philly, right? Yeah. You, you'd said Phoenix. Man. I said Philly, Phoenix, right? yeah. yeah. Sorry. So Philadelphia, they were so close, and it came down to the end where it looked like they got the shot they needed when they were down one. Joel Embiid went to the hoop, and he had a layup open with a couple seconds left. And in the post-game interview, he said that he just couldn't get up to dunk it like he normally does. And that just shows the injury impact that it has on him and just maybe what it had in, done throughout the second half during the game. And then they couldn't convert on the three-point attempt when they were um, at the buzzer to, to tie the game. But it's interesting yeah. to see how good Joel Embiid still is, even with an injury. But clearly, the injury might be taking over and and stopping it from some of his game. Yeah, he had 21 rebounds tonight. What a great player in 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 a very uh, important game and a game where he was hurting and he even called it out, but still played a great game. I thought there's something interesting here. You, I, I highlighted this game. Trey Young, 24 points, 18 assists. Generally, in an NBA basketball game, a team will average between 96 and 100 possessions and maybe a little bit more. I think out of their 100-plus possessions tonight, it's probably about where the Hawks landed, they only had four turnovers. Mm. And they're a pretty young team. It's not like they have a lot of veterans on that team, and Trey Young's still a young point guard. But to be able to run a team in a playoff atmosphere – against the number one seed in the East and, and have 24 points, 18 assists and, and only two turnovers himself and only four turner turnovers for the team. Pretty impressive. John Collins had a great game. Um, I, I thought that uh, Bogdanovich for them played a, a really good game and it ties that series at two, two and sends it back to Philly, but the health of Joel Embiid might be a little bit of a concern um, and uh, we'll see how they go. And if Ben Simmons can help, uh, you know, keep that home court advantage for the, the 76ers. Really quick. It, so the first team all defense was announced. Gobert did make it. Just want to give a shout out to Gobert, even though we kind of talked about him tonight, did make the first team all defense. No surprise there. Ben Simmons made it as well. So he's with Philly and then Joel Embiid made the second team all defense. So there's some great players in that. Kawhi also made the second team all defense. Um, Giannis is in the first team, so is um, Green. But yeah, overall, there's some there's some good series lining up. Even in in um, Brooklyn with the with the Bucks and with the Nets, that's turning out to be a bigger series than we thought it'd be. Especially after games one and two, where the Nets just blew out the Bucks. Kyrie Irving goes down and is injured. And the Bucks capitalize and win. So that series is tied as well. So we got the series tied. We got the series tied in Utah versus um, versus Clippers. Series tied in Atlanta with Philly, and then series tied now with Bucks and Nets. Yeah, I think I was the one on the last episode where I said the the Nets were going to come out and beat the Bucks and then go home and close that series out. So I'm wrong there. And then Ky- Kyrie Irving goes down. 
and now for game five back in Brooklyn, you do not have Kyrie nor James Harden. Let's see how great Durant is. We know he's a mega star, one of the greatest scorers the game has ever seen. He's a physical specimen at seven feet doing what he does on the perimeter. It'll be interesting to see if he can carry his team to a victory. If he can't, and the Bucks somehow steal game five and go home with a 3-2 lead, and, and, and you possibly see a, a path towards the Nets losing, that is out of this world crazy. So no Irving, no Harden. Durant is going to have to carry this team. He's got, you know, Joe Harris and, and uh, a number of other good players on that Nets team. But without Kyrie Irving and James Harden, that'll be very interesting to see. So that's tied, like you said, um, Jazz, Clippers tied, Sixers, Hawks tied. The only team that is through and sitting home and resting and resting and resting are the Phoenix Suns who just put it to the Denver Nuggets in a four-game sweep of that series. So if the, if the Jazz do advance and they get past the Clippers, it's going to be a completely different game playing the Suns. It might be too early to start getting into this, but the Suns play with such a methodical kind of led by Chris Paul type game versus the isolation or, or the, the kind of take turns between George and Leonard that we're playing right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust to that. I'm hoping again, if, if we had to answer the question, if can the Jazz respond to being the series tied 2-2, it really comes down to whether or not Conley is healthy, I think. Without Conley, it's hard to put together a team that could progress past the Clippers and then go and play the Suns. So I do think the Jazz are built to make it to the finals and win the finals, but that that team is built with a healthy Conley. I don't know. I don't know if, if Conley doesn't come back, it could be hard to even get past the Clippers, though. Yeah, I hear you. I, I wish I would have saved this tidbit that I found today as I was studying the league. I think this is the, the more starters or no, I'll say it this way. More all-stars during this, these playoffs going back to the first round and now into the second round, more all-stars have missed at least one game than any other NBA playoff series and uh, playoff in history. So oh. the, the, the kind of crunch together season, which started in December and just game after game, after game, after game, as you try to get this season in is having it's, it's, is wearing on a number of all-stars and superstars. So the NBA champions at the end of this run could be a team that is most healthy. And right now the Suns are healthy the Bucks are healthy. I guess you could say Atlanta is healthy and it's starting to show that the healthy teams can make, can make it happen. The Clippers are healthy in a sense, but they've lost Serge Ibaka for the season that was just announced today. It will not return for the playoffs and will have back surgery on Friday. So this could come down to the team that is most healthy. And quite frankly, the Jazz were probably the most healthy and COVID-free team in the season. And that's why they had the number one record. And then Donovan, those last 16 games hurt himself. Uh, uh, other than that, the jazz had a pretty clean bill of health, I guess Conley was down. So I shouldn't say it that much, but going to, to my theory here, the Suns are very healthy and playing the best basketball, I think right now in the playoffs. 
It looked like Con or Kawhi got shaken up towards the end of the fourth quarter. He did say in his post interview that it wasn't anything and that there's no doubt that he'll play next game, but maybe he, maybe he sat out primarily just to make sure that he was staying healthy at the end of the game. But overall you do have to be ready for the best. If you want to be able to go on to the next round, I don't know. We haven't really got too many updates on Conley and I feel like I'm just repeating myself, but it, I think that theory is true. That's a really good point. The healthier team looks like they had the best opportunity and the best chance of winning these finals and so I'm just hoping Conley comes back. Um, that affects everybody as, as, as you look at his stats and his impacts. You can even see that his assists are the highest. It means that he has the ball right before a big play is made. And that just seems to enhance Gobert, which enhances everybody else on the team. Mitchell will be Mitchell. He will do his part. But we need kind of somebody to lift the whole jazz. And that's what Conley does. So... I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean to, yeah, to win this series, you're probably going to need Conley to be in there and do his job. But um, then again, we we could just get you know, the energy said, in Vivint. Yeah, we could get energy in Vivint, and that yeah, I mean we we've won two without him at home, so we can win two more at home without him. But whatever. Yeah, that was the statement I was going to make. So we have, and we can. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Well, the, the playoffs certainly, uh, uh, you know, are even now. You take the Suns out of the equation. The three other series are all tied at 2-2, which is just great for the league and great excitement to see great players playing just great playoff basketball. So tough loss for the Jazz. Little bit of sun peeking through the clouds near the end where they kind of fought themselves back into the game and figured out a little bit of what the Clippers are doing. And you've just got to hope that the crowd in Salt Lake City, the carryover from the last, you know, half of this game and the altitude gets to um, the the Clippers and the Jazz can, you know, maintain home court advantage uh, on Wednesday night. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Me too, Spence. Thanks again. Love you. Appreciate the time spent together as this conversation continues. Please, everybody that's listening, tell your friends, tell your family, tell jazz fans to come and uh, search for After the Game, a conversation with my dad everywhere where they get their podcasts and hit subscribe. And uh, we'll have some treats in store as uh, we do this uh, as long as we can. So, Spence, always good to be with you. Thanks, Dad. Have a good night.